All right. Uh, is everybody here? Does the audio sound okay? Can we start the show? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 468, being recorded on September 20th, 2017. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Sebastian Peake. And I'm Alan Momentano. We kind of went in a different order. Are you okay with that? I don't care. We wanted to end here because it made sense to end here and then continue the conversation, right? Like, yeah. Circle. Are your feelings hurt? I really want to know. No. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Smash uh, just has more seniority than Alan. Now. <laughs> he has more Ikea furniture than Alan. It's true. Well, yeah. He might not. I have an awful lot of those shelves. <laughs> you do. In that one room, you have a five yeah. more shelves than we have in this entire office. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. This is PC Perspective. We talk about computer hardware, other stuff. If you joined the show beforehand, we talk about... Who were we just talking about? We were <laughs> Mario selling drugs. Mario selling drugs and whether or not he took mushrooms or sold mushrooms. He's selling them on your shirt. He is selling them on my shirt. Um, in, in, in my daughter's reaction to said shirt. So mm-hmm. that's, these are the things you miss when you aren't paying attention to the live stream, which you can see at PCPer.com slash live on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh... And if you need a reminder, you need a gentle, like, hey, oh, I forget. there's something I need to do on Wednesday nights. It's always super important, mm-hmm. but I'm always forgetting. What is it? You go to pcpro.com slash subscribe right now and add your name and email address to this list. And it's an email list that we basically, an hour or two hours beforehand, I send you an email and say, hey, by the way, we're going to do a live stream. And it's usually just once a week. So you're talking about one email a week you're going to get from us. Uh, but sometimes if we're doing another event like NVIDIA or AMD or somebody else is in town, we will tell you about the live stream through that as well. And most of the time those involve um, prizes and giveaways and stuff too. So there's another reason to be signed up for that list. You so know, make sure you're doing that. Guys in the chat are asking, is there a PC per store? They need some merch. We don't have one. We need we people to design merch is the Yeah, issue. that was the issue. And I put that out on one of our... Uh, uh, Q&A's like videos yeah. that I did was like if you can design something I will gladly put it on a store and mm-hmm. allow people to buy it um, but we got some uh, designs from old Quake look at the people stuff, in here probably... they don't know how to do any of that we don't know, crap. Like, we don't. We don't know. there's we don't. like a hundred people in this office and none of them can design anything we know so. how to test stuff we have zero artistic sense though so. yeah actually the gym in the back is, has done the best in designing our thumbnails and that type of stuff yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I, uh, I could drink a lot of chocolate and uh, pink milk and then vomit it on a shirt um, two color like t-shirts are expensive though it's kind of like Jackson Pollock <laughs> That's true. We want to go for monochrome. It's, print, it's cheaper to print. So keep that Of course, mind. Jedi Master wants to buy some Malvin Tano t-shirts. I don't even know what would be on a Malvin Tano. Maltavino? Just, sit out, just do an outline Malvin- of your head. You know, like Scott Van Pelt's logo? Just <laughs> yeah, the, there you go. The Malvin Tano logo. Do the listeners even know what the Maltavino thing is? No. It was no, one random comment on the website. It was a, somebody <laughs> comment on the website. I like that guy. Brian Maltavino. Brian Maltavino. I've had my name you butchered before. said it with like an Italian. <laughs> it's basically like, so. Brian yeah. Maltavino. You know, you got to throw it in there. Uh, we also have our Patreon campaign going as well. If you'd like to donate directly to Brian Maltavino, that's at patreon.com slash PC per. Uh, this is your ability to become a monthly recurring contributor to the site. 
This enables us to uh, do things like the mailbags, create other new content ideas, and, and make sure we can continue to you know make podcasts and articles and whatnot. So important there. It's 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 a great thing. We really love it, uh, and we love all the support we get from people there. If you become a new patron or upgrade your patronage by at least a dollar during the live stream here, I will call out your name and thank you personally on the stream. We already have two of those. We have a new pledge of one dollar from Hashin two fifty six. Passion 256. Thank That's you very cute. much. Uh, and Harry Cracks. Uh, that's, spelled, that's spelled K-R-A-X, just so we're all very clear here. Uh, uh, yeah, a new pledge of $3. Get your mind out of the gutter. Thank you, Harry K., if you will. Um, and so also one of those things we uh, – well, I don't have a thing for it. We've done mailbags with these. Um, you link to the edit instead of the view page in the in the show notes, so that's why it was. It's, oh, that's why it's sorry. That's okay. Uh, but we did a mailbag. I sit in front of a camera and answer user submitted questions for about twenty minutes. Those are at youtubecom per. And then we also do. Uh, we did our. We did a, a weekly um, uh, let's play slash what do we call it? PC per plays event where Ken and I played the original Crisis from from two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. Still it looks out. good as it, it turns out. Yeah, and if you read the comments on that video, everyone's like, "Wow, foliage! That still looks great." Yeah, they're very <laughs> impressed by the foliage. <laughs> it was like, "Wow, there's an awful lot of foliage." I mean, I, I, ability? I swam out to a to an island in the middle of the water and mowed down all the trees with my machine gun. Yeah, right. And accidentally so, exploded the house you were in. Accidentally exploded the house I was in. Yeah, like the, the game technology is still really impressive, and the, like the facial animation looks good, and and. I, it still looks surprisingly good for a ten-year-old game. I bet if you go back to some of the other, what were some other Josh? What were some other like flagship game titles around that time? You think Far Cry, Doom Three? Oh God, Doom Three didn't age that well. Yeah, Doom Three didn't age nearly yeah. as well. Yeah, and Far Cry would have been out what two or three years before this. Two thousand four was Far Cry, Doom. No, 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 no. Two or two thousand four, yeah. Okay, so yeah, three years before Crisis it was. Was Far Cry, which even Far Cry looked really good, but Crisis was a significant step up, even for that. So, uh, check out those videos. It's at youtubecom per, uh What do the YouTube guys say? Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, yeah, is that what yeah. they do? Yeah, do all those three things if you can. We'd appreciate it. Uh, let's get into the content. The first thing we're going to talk about this week comes from Ken. It's what? A, huh? What? Huh? That's the only reason he's here. Uh, the MSI GS sixty three VR. Which what, like is, the only reason I'm here for this podcast, or I'm here in general? This is the MSI GS63 <laughs> VR. You were here in general, even when you weren't working gaming here. Gaming laptop. This is a, our second <laughs> look at a at a Max Q design machine. What the hell does that mean, Ken? Uh, it means that through magical voodoo that Nvidia won't disclose, essentially, <laughs> by working with Notebook Partners, MSI was able to put a gtx 1070 into this form factor in which they previously only offered a up to a gtx 1060 okay which is very neat yep so this is a existing msi design it's the ms uh, msi gs 63 vr which even the same code name is right available it's with just the other with GPUs. a different gpu yeah. yeah which is an awesome design we're taking a look at the evolution of these are the stealth pro is their moniker laptops mm. in the msi line they're always Super thin and light gaming notebooks that have good options, as such as GTX 1060, which is a still a good gaming yeah. GPU for this. Especially for a 1080p factor. screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now it's Max Q enabled. So we took a look at the, RG, the Asus RG Zephyrus mm-hmm. a couple months ago. 
which was a built from the top max q design that has the weird keyboard and trackpad placement right and sort of going full hog into these gpu optimizations for the max q program but we decided to take a look at this msi laptop which is just kind of a normal gaming laptop and see how it performs yeah the zephyrus was the first time asus had made anything look like this we have seen laptops that look like this several times from msi um and they're 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 even at the time when we did these these initial looks, they were thin, light. We were impressed by what they offered. Yeah, it's always form always the thinnest and lightest gaming notebook form factor you could find. And compared to the Zephyrus, I think it's a bit thicker, but it is barely noticeable. We'll say. Yeah, I mean, Nvidia puts like a restriction on how thick it can be to get the Max Q. Uh, I'm not sure it? the exact. Maybe not. I don't know program specifications there. So we looked, obviously, having seen the form factor several times and also since we had seen one other Max-Q design uh, machine from Asus, we just kind of looked at – we wanted to look at gaming performance specifically, right? Dirt Rally, uh, 1080p we tested. And generally what we found was – so the kind of like we saw with the, with the 1080 Max-Q, the 1070 Max-Q does not meet the performance levels of a standard GTX 1070. We had an older – Laptop, an Asus G752VS with a with a full performance GTX 1070, and uh, that machine is not a Max Q design. It's a l- much thicker, larger, heavier laptop. Um, more of what you think of when you when you hear the term gaming laptop. And you can see here, actually, uh, yeah, this one right here, this graph, um, like the black line is the is the MSI Max Q 1070. And then the green line is the GTX 1070 full perf, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And as it turns out, like the 1080 Max Q is pretty close to the GTX 1070 uh, perf, you know, pretty much yeah. across the board. Which I guess, is kind of the conclusion we started coming to at the end of our ROG Zephyrus review. But we we got a, a hold of a 1070 laptop to put in this review that we were expecting to be right in the middle, and for the most part, it was. I would I will say that. The uh, Max-Q design is further away from the 1070 than it is the Max-Q 1080. Say it again. The, the, the 10 set, the There's full a bigger gap between the Max-Q 1070 and the 1070 than the Max-Q 1080 and the 1070. Excuse me. Boy, that's really confusing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yes. But, I mean, even if you look at, like, GTA 5, this is, like, frame variant, so it's not quite the same but like the orange and green lines are the 1080 max q and the full 1070 right and then the black line is the 1070 max q and if you look up here like the green and orange lines are tracking very closely the black line is it's not a dramatic step below but it's It's definitely i mean gta is a very cpu bound game so that was one of the games that showed a much smaller gap yeah yeah and here okay so this in tomb raider is an example that shows the perf advantage of the 1080 Max Q over the 1070, because I think um, some people, even me myself included, were like, "Oh, you know, a 1080 Max Q might as well be just called a 1070 that they put into a lower yeah. power state or yep. whatever, right, to get down to that perf level." But yep. I mean, you can see there is the 1080 Max Q is still offering more than a 1070 here in this instance, but the 1070 Max Q is lower than both of them, which is what we would expect. Mm-hmm. And my guess is. It's somewhere, you know, a handful, 5%, 10% faster than a 1060 full would be. Just a guess off the top of my head there. You agree with that? Yeah. yeah. And we saw some more, hmm, 
Uh-oh, some more four fours on the network. Four four. Uh, just reloaded itself. We saw some more frame variants in the uh, in the 1080 Max Q in some games. So, as you might expect, a higher performing laptop in a similar form factor is more thermally throttled and can cause frame variants. It still wasn't sure. anything that I would call anywhere near unplayable. It was still a pretty smooth experience, especially since the Zephyrus has a G Sync display. Right. So, just something to keep in mind is that these Max Q designs can have more variants than the. That's fair fuller more thermally managed gpus uh, anything stand out in the other cpu storage test it looks like you know um the zephyrus was was interesting because it had a full port full perf quad core part this one did too it looks like yeah they, they share the same cpu so okay. the pure cpu benchmarks are pretty similar however if you go down to like pc mark well I, the handbrake one's interesting oh yeah in that um because the msi gs63 vr integrates uh Optimus. Optimus. I don't know. Did they really still call it that? Whatever yeah, it is. They, they have both the Intel and the NVIDIA GPU enabled in the system. Right? That allows you to use quick sync video, yeah. like for transcoding, which is the fastest of all the results. Whereas the ROG Zephyrus, they don't enable the integrated graphics on and the processor. Yep. That might change from SKU to SKU because I believe they do offer the GS63 VR with the G-Sync display, which is why oh, they can't use Optimus okay. on the Zephyrus because they all have G-Sync displays. Got it. But... Most of the SKUs don't have G-Sync. I think only some very high-end options that you can't necessarily find a whole lot. Of this, of the GS63 VR. Got it. So I would mostly expect to be able to use QuickSync. Storage performance looks pretty good. You know, 545 by 515. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty run-of-the-mill side of performance. It is a bit disappointing. Uh, We'll get to this with the next page with the price point that we didn't see an MVME device in this notebook. Uh, like the RG Zephyrus had a 960 Evo in it, essentially the OEM equivalent of 960 sure. Evo. So you're getting a lot more storage performance for the given segment. Yeah. Yeah. What about what about the pricing? You were going to bring up something. Uh it's it's very expensive. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, just, yes. leave it there. <laughs> so if you scroll up a little bit, uh, I don't remember the exact number. Uh, so twenty three hundred, twenty four hundred. It's twenty four hundred dollars for the notebook in the configuration reviewed with the okay. Max Q ten seventy, a hundred twenty hertz ten AP panel, not G Sync, and a SATA SSD and a hard drive. That's very steep. Yeah, you can get the ROG Zephyrus now has a uh, GTX ten seventy Max Q enabled option that is twenty three hundred dollars. So you're getting the G-Sync display, you're getting the NVMe SSD, you unfortunately gain the weird keyboard trackpad form factor, but you're also saving $100 at that point. Right. And then if you just want to go to laptops that have a GTX 1070 in it, you can find those for like around $1,700 on the, on the lower end. And the uh, Asus ROG Strix G, GL502, which we actually have had in for some stuff lately, is a pretty thin and light gaming notebook. It's not super bulky or anything, mm-hmm. and you can get it for $1,700 with the full 1070 in it, which will give mm. you better performance by right. what, like somewhere around 5 to 10%. Right. So I find it difficult to, f- to recommend this exact configuration to anyone. I think the MSI GS63 VR is a great notebook in general. If you want to buy one with a 1050 or 1060 in it, those are more viable options, but... This 1070 Max Q option seems to be outpricing outpriced the market essentially for 
not highest end gaming GPU Interesting. performance. Yeah. Uh, so that is the review of the MSI GS 63 VR worth pointing out. Uh, this unit, this is the one that was sent to us by CUK. Yeah. Computer upgrade King. So mm-hmm. we thank them for that. Uh, I think it's, cukusa.com is their website right they do a lot of interesting cool stuff with uh customization like they they sell msi and asus laptops but they will customize them before you get them so if you want uh, a bigger ssd or you know raid raid configuration that Hmm. they don't offer individually or you want 64 gigs of ram in it like they will do that for you and it's all within reasonable prices of what you would expect from the that's cool msi or asus machines directly so thank you for that guys uh, oh, hold on. Before we move on to the next review, uh, Errato 949. Errato 949 became a new patron for $5 a month. Thank you very much for that, Errato 949. Keep them coming in, guys. I will I will pay attention this week, I promise. <laughs> Maury posted a review of the Gigabyte Z270X Gaming 8 motherboard. It uh, is It has the... Uh, Oh man, Aurorus. I always want to. I always want to add an extra syllable to that and call it Aurorus, but uh, that's not correct. That's the British pronunciation. Uh, I see. Yes, uh, and I think it might have. Did you know Sleeping Beauty's name is Aurora? Nope. Oh God, had no idea. Had no idea. My daughter taught me this, and I think that's part of what that <laughs> did, that was. When she told you that, did you go? No, it isn't. <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking Stupid about, kid. you dumb kid. Uh, but anyway, look at those RAM slots, man. That's actually so the lights between the LED, the the memory slots. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Are they in between? Or are they? Well, there's in only three of them, so there's the in between. between. Okay. Yeah. yeah, fair. But I mean, even like uh, you got this. I don't know what the hell that yeah, is. Yeah, what is that light section? It's probably just like a clear. No, acrylic. it's just a piece of plexiglass. Yeah, and two LEDs at the side with the um, yeah. That cool. This it's to, like to a make pi- it glow. It's like a piece of flare. The dream of the yeah. '90s yeah. is alive with the <laughs> that's true. Gigabyte Z270X gaming eight. That, is, that is very Miami Vice down there. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. They've got uh, looks like this is the has like the water cooling option over the VRMs as well. There is there's a lot there's a lot going on here. Um, no, I was just thinking that those lights would really help if you were working inside of that case, and you know, but then you don't do upgrades with the system turned on, so never mind. No. Well, actually, actually a lot of all of these need to have a switch for like turning on the LEDs. A lot of these yes. motherboards will uh, all the LEDs will stay on when the system is off, but the power supply is still supplying no, like standby. I power. haven't seen that really? happening really. Oh, the I've one in the, the the one in the flex server. But even if that's mm-hmm. the case, on. you probably still shouldn't be upgrading it without the, the power, power supply. supply. Yeah. Yeah. In case you accidentally like hit those switches to turn on. Yeah. yeah. Cuz there are just buttons on all these motherboards these days to that's turn true. on the systems, so I'd keep that in mind. Uh, as mentioned, it does have the Bits Power G Chill hybrid hmm. water block uh across all of the uh, uh power delivery cooling hopefully we start to see some of this in those x299 motherboards where it maybe is more useful yeah as well multi-zone light show design light show rgb six light zones eight programmable sections uh eight different lighting effects two rgbw light strip pin headers accent led with interchangeable overlay there's a lot there's a lot there. SmartFan 5 support. You can see some of the external output capability. This is a full-featured motherboard for sure. Uh, does it have a one-quarter-inch headphone jack? It, it has does, multiple. It does, I mean, it has multiple uh, of them. A quart, no. I think oh, a quarter. quarter, inch. quarter. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, right. No. Not interested. Not interested. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but it, it has it has USB three one and PS two. I don't care, Alex. That's a PS two port, man. The scale yeah, of input connectivity from PS two port to USB three point one is that even is that Thunderbolt? Probably not. It would be a different color if it were Thunderbolt, wouldn't it's it? It's still no, a very it a large color. range of it would make it. Uh, hold on, let's see. Storage interface. Chipset uh, Thunderbolt three controller. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it goes from <laughs> PS two to Thunderbolt three. <laughs> What's the Which age? is really only one generation leap. PS2, the Thunderbolt goes like, 3. Yeah, it goes like uh, 10 years. I'm pretty sure you can drive video through a PS2 <laughs> yeah, port, right? One more than two uh, it's, like, it's like 10 years before Ken was born. PS2 has existed. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was before PS2? was the four pin. What was that AT. called? AT. Four AT, pin yeah. yeah. It was just AT. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, now I'm side, side question, <laughs> side note. When I got my first custom computer built for me, before I built my own, I had a place oh, called oh. Custom Computers Build One, <clears throat> and I and I took it home. Like my, I was so excited. My dad went and picked me up, and we went and picked up the computer, and I brought it home, and I it had a PS2 connector on it, mm-hmm. or it had a it had a four pin in, and my keyboard was PS2 or vice versa, <laughs> no, and no. I was like, oh no, and I had to like have him take me back out to. I think I went to the Florence Mall to go to the Radio Shack. To buy a four pin in to PS2 adapter. That's, that, that's the perfect to place back. to buy one. The four, the yeah. four pin connector was like the thing that looked like a MIDI plug, right? Yeah. 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 Just, just a big circle. Yeah. With the pins in a different place it's or the, something. The AT or, connector. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the Gigabyte Z270X uh, Gaming 8, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, it has an AT connector. Oh, I was fascinated Obviously. by it. Fascinating. Thank Trip you. Trip down memory lane. It's good. Hey, I'm, I'm here Let's to have again. stories for you, and my network cable keeps unplugging from this machine. Uh, here's the board. It looks it looks way less interesting without all the lights on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, no, I'm not trying to discount all... Maury's photography work here. I'm just saying. That's why they put them all there. They're just know. like, man, yeah. look at how yeah. bland this board looks. We got to. Uh, a lot of PCIe slots, they give, they're giving you four full length ones, even though. The fourth one is the usefulness of that is you know like if you want to use this bottom one you have to have a case that supports uh, supports that right not a lot of, not a lot of cases support you know going to going a slot below the end of the ATX motherboard yeah um, you know I don't know if this is maybe a hey if you also want to use this for mining nod or something like that I don't really know usually you don't see four by sixteen. Um, on Z270 boards. And I don't, would, I don't think would, this is using any PLX chips. That would give you specs, that but. would give you an extra space between the three GPUs. If you put three of them and the third one was yeah. in the furthest uh, slot, yeah. it would you know that yeah, would give you three GPUs true. not all that's jammed true. up against Plus you each could other. Plug right? three by one ribbon cables in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sebastian, uh, it does have amp up audio. Is that good enough? Eh? No. Eh? no, no, no. Sound Blaster ZXRI. All right. That's software. Oh. That sounds like a disease. ZXRI. <laughs> it's going to be in the next blockbuster film. That's what actually causes zombie breakouts. Mm-hmm. Actually, ZXRI. I read that. I guess it sounds more like a somewhere. drug, like a pharmaceutical. <laughs> uh, so it's got a lot of caps for the audio. So there's that, right? There's a it plus. could have a good DAC in it. I don't know. I just, it has a, ever since I saw that board with a quarter-inch jack, it's just I can't go back. I know, I know. And it's got a burr no, brown probably got op amp. stinking... Crab codec crab. underneath uh-huh. all that. Uh-huh. You know, the crab. Oh, maybe, maybe it has an ESS. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maury took this know. picture with the lights <laughs> illuminated. <laughs> On a motherboard. <laughs> sure. And a light strip. 
the back panel does illuminate as well. The back panel yeah, that's what he's trying to illuminates show. as well. Yeah, he doesn't just normally lay the back panel. He's trying to show thing. all the things that light up, all at the same time. <laughs> that's picture. how I build my system. Here's an LED light strip kind of just running across. Yeah. The postcode doesn't look like it's booted. I'm amazed he can even take that picture. Why? What do you mean? Just because it's so bright, like, no, you yeah. know, you'd figure the motherboard would be so That's dark true. or something. Stop That's it true. down. And the best part about yeah. the way he laid, if you scroll back up, <laughs> what the say? back panel... Yeah. It is actually shorting out parts of the uh, the motherboard, oh, so yeah. that's that's awesome. That's why the postcode is. No, don't don't, <laughs> okay. don't don't say that about Maury. Maury's never done anything no, like that no, no. before. Two, dual U dot two and what dual SATA Express. Well, why would you need dual U dot two? I for those, one for that. For those two SSD seven fifty U dot twos that yeah. anyone ever bought. Yeah, I mean you could. You could I don't do that. have an answer for that, yeah, to be know. honest with you. I don't know. The water block does look nice. I would give him that. Like, even if you don't use the water block part of it, like, I still think it looks <laughs> slick. Does it? Well, I mean, like, if you just use it passively. Is it just acting as a spreader otherwise? Yeah. Or is, it, yeah, yeah. Or is mean, there actually a, a th- heat sink somewhere? Because uh, I don't see yeah, It's a heat sink under there. It just doesn't have any airflow. <laughs> oh, so it's mm, just yeah. a heat spreader then. Well, I mean, if you have a regular <laughs> yeah. heat sink fan, there will be some airflow. If you have a water cooler like Mori, then there'll yeah, be yeah, none. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's a lot going on here. It's a, it's a pretty high-end board. Uh, oh, he, he, he tears apart the bits. Yeah, that 8-pin connector. 8-pin that you can't. What is going on with this today? I don't know. Um, tears it apart. You can actually... Yeah, there he there is removing the whole thing. There you see it. Yeah, yeah. Maury likes to take things apart. What can of I course say? he does. It's all right. And most of the time it goes back together. Without most being cracked or most broken. Most of the time. Most of the time. Uh, so he goes to his overclocking testing, normal performance testing, UEFI, all that type of uh, uh, stuff for you to go take a look at. <laughs> I said stuff. Shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> this is an expensive motherboard, as you would expect, with all that capability. 470. 470. And it's got the water cooling on the VRM. It's it's. It's got to be their flagship, uh, their flagship offering here. That's still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, a lot of strengths, weaknesses. Oh man, CMOS uh, battery placement. Uh, Top weakness. You know, if they yeah. just hadn't been greedy with those full-length PCI Express slots, they could have put the CMOS battery in a better You're position. Right. Can, right. can we run a search on the website for CMOS battery placement and see how many unique hits we get? <laughs> that should be a tag. CMOS battery placement. If we don't come up as the number one Google search result for C- I saw that for CMOS battery placement, I will be upset. Well, if you read the um, like the site, let me see the my site description here. PC Perspective, your number one source of CMOS battery placement news and information <laughs> on the web. Hold on, now, 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 I'm just gonna. Why is why is my trackpad not working? Why are you breaking everything? I don't know. You broke it. You broke the laptop. Hold on, CMOS battery placement. Oh, the HP support site. Look at this. Oh, we're not even on the first page. None of these are us. This, what? Uh, well, it's set. Wait, go up. Is it searching placement or replacement? No, no just placement. So mm. All right. Well, Put it in quotes. We've, we've learned now. We've learned now. Well, no, I'm not going to. Let's move on. Uh, check out the review. It is up there if you want to take a look. Uh, let's get into our news items, starting with Toshiba. Are they bought this week? Are they still in negotiations this week? Uh, I mean, nobody friggin' knows. Uh, well, I thought that officially went through. No, kind of. I mean... I think Toshiba would like it to go through. There was a recent thing where they said that, uh, sort of confirming... I realize this is a post Tim put up, like, at, last week right after the podcast. Oh, uh, sure. Right? 
Um, and now, as of like earlier today, it's kind of surfacing on like Reuters had a story is saying, uh, hey, Bain Capital and a, and a group of some other people like Apple and a few other people. Are you OK with the touchpad over there? No, I'm not. All right. Keep going. Um, you know, a few other people kind of threw in some funds to try to pull their money together in order to buy Toshiba's flash memory production. Toshiba right? said it agreed to sell today. Yeah, they said they agreed to sell. But here's the thing. Uh, so Western Digital slash SanDisk, and I say that I say slash SanDisk, which is important because SanDisk originally, before acquired by Western Digital, had an agreement uh, to jointly produce flash memory with Toshiba. Which meant that it was a joint venture. They were, you know, they were both investing together in the development production of facilities, Flash and all the production stuff. facilities, all yeah. this stuff, right? And with an agreement like that comes like some responsibility on both parties, right? Well, even though Western Digital acquired uh, Sandisk, that, that shouldn't just nullify the entire agreement. It just means that Western Digital now is in a joint venture with Toshiba. Well, they might not like it, but like sure. that's just kind of how it works, right? Um, well, at the same time, Toshiba had like Westinghouse go under on them and go bankrupt or negative or whatever you want to call it. Um, so they're just trying to get money from something to the point where they're like, well, we're going to sell off our flash production. Mm-hmm. Well, Western Digital is like, well, hey, hold the ho- hold your horses. Like, you're in a joint venture with us. You can't just go doing stuff well, with our joint venture yeah. without, uh, like, at least consulting with hey, us. I'm or, no legal you know, expert, but I'm going to say to Toshiba, or I'm going to say to SanDisk, hey, if you can get bought by somebody without my approval, then I can sell myself without your approval. Uh, I that's guess. I, I, I don't know. Put it in the books. But, yeah. So there, Whatever so judge has to do with this I'm, I'm sure that's probably part me. of that's probably part of Toshiba's argument or something, because they're going back and forth. So there's, like, three separate... It seems to me that Toshiba always declares that it's done. Yeah. And then somebody says, nah, not really. No, like, no. we still legally have a chance to bid. pulled back in again. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, so Toshiba's have, like, it's, it's my last day before retirement. And then they get pulled back so in. Basically, Toshiba <laughs> kept doing other stuff on their own after Western Digital, Western Digital acquired SanDisk yeah. without consulting the, the joint venture side of it. So then now it, they've racked up like three separate lawsuits from Western Digital so far. Cool, 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 cool. Nothing to do with the selling thing. Just from doing other stuff with the fab. Oh. Right? Like, oh, we just want to invest in some more stuff. But we don't care what the other half does, right? And that that sort of stuff. And apparently, there's some court uh, in California that has California ruled, court has reportedly ordered Toshiba to give Western Digital two weeks' notice of any deal with the consortium, uh, and its two previous arbitration requests through ICC are still pending resolution. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, even though there was a Reuter story earlier today saying it looked like that deal actually happened with Bank Capital, uh, it, it's you know. I was going to post something about it, but it's there's so much just back and forth and conjecture and stuff lying around that I don't think anybody can really say that's what the deal is for sure. My bid didn't go through. Your bid? Yeah. 10 cents a gig? I was going to bid 10 cents a gig for whatever they had left in (laughs) stock. Whatever's left in stock. (laughs) How much uh, much flash is on that wafer over there? I'll I'll pay you 10 cents a gig. No, because then I couldn't sell it for ten cents a gig. I'd have to buy it for like two cents a gig in order to get through all the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, you know, I'd have to bring it here and then hand cut the wafer (laughs) and glue them. You'd walk into the. You'd walk in and throw it on my desk, Alan. Here. No, no, I'd cut it and with a with an exacto or whatever you do. Exacto knife. And then and then I would get I would get the I would open up like angle grinder. Use an angle grinder. I I I would go open up one of these SATA SSDs, like a Samsung SSD or something like that, and I would open it up. Just lay the wafer. And, and I would glue the them on top. I mean, come on, you got to have them in place. So you, you gotta glue stack them, them higher. To the top. Yeah, on stack top each other. Higher, but yeah. you glue them just to the top of the package of the, okay. l- of the other one. And I figure like Didn't electricity you 3D flows print through them. A PCB for it. I mean, 
Yeah, no. I could probably do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ten could do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, I think this is really happening, guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, uh, before we get to our app permissions, was that in there? Uh, two new patrons. Uh, Ken's the man just pledged a dollar. Nice try, Ken. Was that Tony? <laughs> was that Tony? <laughs> I don't know. It just says Ken's the man. Was... Ken's the man pledged a dollar. Uh, and Thomas Taylor edited their pledge from a dollar to three dollars and fifty cents. So thank you very much, uh, Ken's sure the man and monster? Thomas Taylor. What's that? Are you sure it's not a lock desk monster? Might be. About three fifty. Three fifty. About three fifty. All right. Uh, other news items. Proper. I don't know what this is. Somebody's explained to me. Jeremy's not here. Proper per app permissions arriving in Windows ten. Uh, anybody know what the hell this is? What are we talking about? Uh, installed applications would now need your agreement to collect and transmit metadata, such as your location. Think, other think like iOS versus versus Android. You know, when you install an Android app and it needs to use this and like location, it needs to use your local storage. You have to agree to all of those things. Yeah. On a per app basis. Apparently, that's going to be the default behavior of Windows ten in the coming up with the creators update. So. I bet the majority uh, of people who are using this, like, like I would never, th- I won't, I don't think of any applications I download from Windows as needing my location, right? And in yeah. fact, if anything, I get super annoyed when I go to a website and there's a pop up like, hey, we'd like to know your your location. I'm like, how about not right now? How about no? So now, if you installed Chrome on a new install of this version of Windows mm-hmm. and you went to that website, first Chrome would ask you, <laughs> and then if you said yes, then Windows would go, hey. Hey, did sure, you know Chrome was making you know this Chrome, request for you? Chrome wants to, which I Chrome. guess is like the safest way to go. But Chrome would, that would only happen once. Windows would only ask you once for Chrome. Sure. So sure. would you allow? Would you? Would you like Chrome to have the ability to, to know? Yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. At? Yes. yeah. I can see that. It's yes, permission yes. requests all the way down. Basically, uh, apparently the enterprise version will offer greater control and limit the OS to local notifications of serious issues or updates. All right. So that was part of the fall creators update, I guess is what they're calling it, that will be coming out. So I like this. Do you? But I still won't run Windows 10. I just don't travel. Like, I don't know. I don't have my laptop out as often as I have my, my smartphone out. So, like, do you want to know if I'm at my office or at my house? Because that's pretty much it. Like, I guess that's fine. Yeah. Right, you know. Uh, this is kind of interesting. There's been some Raven Ridge news creeping out which is uh, the AMD APU that combines Zen Ryzen cores, mm-hmm. four Ryzen cores, and a, a – uh, is it a Polaris? No. Um, Vega-based Vega. Vega. GPU Vega. core. Is it like yeah. a stripped-down Vega? Oh, I mean, clearly. It's going to be in a, in a, in a TDP. I, I don't know the answer to that. Oh. Um, so – AMD actually announced Ryzen Mobile, indicating that the APUs previously known as Raven Ridge uh, would be launching the second half of this year. And apparently, uh, a Geekbench performance result for a Ryzen 5 2500U APU leaked out. Single core score of 3561 multi core 9421. Um, comparison wise, what's kind of important to note is they are. Um, Using 50% less power versus the previous generation Bristol Ridge processors while handily beating them in the performance offered. 
So 50% more CPU perf, 40% more GPU perf compared to 7th generation APUs based on these leaked benchmark scores. Uh, obviously, Geekbench is not all-encompassing. You're not going to get the, the, the total uh, of what this means for your Windows operating system, your gaming performance, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Josh, what do you make of some of these early performance results and uh, the opportunity that AMD might have with something like Raven Ridge? Uh, I think it's going to be pretty decent. And not only that, but uh, one of the more interesting things about it is going to be Infinity Fabric. One of the reasons that Vega was such a larger design was that they included Infinity Fabric with that. So we don't have to deal with the, uh, what, Onion Plus uh, bus that they had to do in between the the old memory controller and, and CPU and the GPU portion. So it's all combined with Infinity Fabric mm. in between zen and vega they haven't told us that yet except of course they designed vega with infinity fabric and why would you use any of these older bus protocols that they used in the past with uh, lano trinity all the other old apus excavator based stuff uh carizo whatever you want to call it but uh yeah so it's gonna be interesting what's that chorizo Chorizo. Truth. But no, it's um, (laughs) they've got Zen in an APU and you're going to have better power efficiency. You're going to have better IPC. You're going to have better scaling with hyper threading. Well, AMD's version of hyper threading. So uh, it's it's kind of a a win win for uh, for AMD. We're just going to see how well they are able to integrate it all into one SOC. And uh, so have, far, so good. Have we seen any confirmation on the memory systems that these are using? Nope. Right? Like, you know, there's rumors of them using HBM. Are they just going to use standard, like, dual-channel memory controller? No, just, for now, it's it's going to be dual-channel. I mean, they, they had talked about some uh, HPC applications, which would utilize... You know, some kind of Zen Core APU, except the the graphics portion is going to be significantly higher, yeah. and it'll have HBM. Uh, but that's that's heavy duty, high performance computing server so, type things. So we that don't they're think hoping. consumer APUs will have like a single stack HBM option. Not anytime soon, uh, man. Uh, hmm. How well now can you buy a product with HBM two from AMD? Uh, b- uh, not great, but maybe they use HBM one. Like, I, I don't know. Yo. I just feel like, you know, integrated, integrated graphics has always suffered from memory bandwidth constraints of these platforms. And AMD didn't design like some wildly superior memory controller on Zen compared to anything previously or from Intel. Right. So it's kind of, well, it's a big step up from bulldozer and everything else before. I mean, it's it's essentially matching the memory performance of uh, of Intel, like Skylake, right? Like you're getting yeah. 25 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth on DDR4 running at 2666 or whatever, but that's you know on on a Vega GPU you're getting 500 gigabytes per second, so an order of magnitude times two uh, of difference yeah. there. And so it's but we're also we we've got to take a look at what Infinity Fabric will bring to this because. It is going to be a lot more efficient than their previous um, applications. Sure. And 
So you've got a bigger GPU. You've got DDR4 running it. You know, it's going to be 2400, 2666. Maybe even we'll see 3200. And compare that to what, how Intel does graphics accesses to memory with what AMD has. And I think AMD may actually have a little bit of a leg up here. I, I assume AMDs will still scale with with uh, memory frequency, right? So as that memory yeah. frequency increases, that we'll still have gaming improvements. But I mean, you're, you're still going to be an order of magnitude lower than a discrete GPU would be, yeah. even a low well, end obviously. discrete GPU would be. And I just I I, I got to wonder at what point in this in this um, progression down integrated graphics do we finally realize that there's like there has to be a crossover point where we can't depend on external memory anymore. We have to have onboard memory uh, for something like this to work. Remember when, Maybe when AMD did that with the, uh, what, uh, 780? You could have 128 megs of uh, off, you know, kind of side bus memory that were oh, built yeah. into motherboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't go very well. <laughs> Not particularly. I mean, did, they, but... did, did it even get released? Was it like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. it was out there. It just was not... I don't remember. I, like I remember that now conceptually that you say it, but like I thought that was one of those things that I saw on motherboards at Computex that never actually showed up in the market or something. No, actually, I, th- I hmm. believe I did Maybe. test a board before I jumped on with right. you guys, right. and uh, it it was a small boost in performance, but you're only you it was only like a single 128 meg chip at a right. time with one gig was kind of the standard i'm excited about raven ridge because i you know it, it has always been amd's advantage uh, over intel in these spaces right so think you know high-end mobile parts 35 like high high wattage mobile parts 35 watts um or low-end consumer pcs where integrated graphics dominates you know the current ryzen 3 processors even though they're as great as they are in comparison to core i3 they still don't have integrated graphics which is a significant hurdle i think for them to take over any kind of market share in like small business environments right where they don't want to buy discrete gpus right. they don't want to support discrete gpus uh it's an added cost and added complication and it's another point of failure right exactly so getting integrated graphics there and then being able to sell that as an advantage. Like not only like, Hey, we can now, Hey, now you can plug your damn monitor directly into the motherboard and it works. You don't have to buy anything else. Uh, We're also like two X the perf or three X the perf of what Intel offers you for graphics. Even if a lot of people who are buying these systems have no idea what that means or what that gets them. uh, I think it's an easy, it's an easy upgrade path or an easy selling point for, for to mention graphics drivers. AMD has, a oh, significant sure. advantage. But that really, Intel. well, I mean, that matters mostly for gaming, right? In terms of like continued support over time. Um, and, and because if you're not, if you're doing an application that you care about driver support, like say 3D rendering, you're probably going to use a discrete GPU anyway, maybe. I don't know. But either way, I think it gives AMD uh, a huge advantage over Intel that uh, Intel's going to have to figure out ways to compensate for as we get into the rest of the year. So I think that's I really, we haven't seen we've seen these leaks of like perf data just kind of starting to trickle out, but nothing about systems Q4. or availability yet. Yeah. You four. It's gonna be holiday part. You know what I love? What do you love Gold. other than bourbon? Gold. Okay, Scrooge McDuck. Uh well, I was no, trying to I was trying I to go for gold uh, finger. Oh. Yeah, gold, gold sorry. Member. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't really do it. 
Anyway, um, skillfully transitioning to the next story. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yes. I, I, you know, if I was really skillful, I would have had like a picture of Goldmember like up on the screen for me to go to. No, you would offer Alan. Do you want a pancake and a smoke? A smoke and a pancake. <laughs> Bongos <Bomb laughs> mix. I clearly do none of those things. So let's talk about instead a hard drive with the name Gold attached to it. How valuable is this hard drive? I mean, not not. It's weight in gold. Is it gold coated? Uh, Are the platters uh, no. made of gold? No. What the? Is it expansive? <laughs> Well, probably. Um, it's it's just terabytes. Wait, okay, let, why do they call it gold when they expect it to oxidize? <laughs> what? <laughs> just call it. Gold doesn't oxidize, but it's spinning rust. Yeah. So I how know. are you going to change? Is it like those like twenty four bit CDs that the were WD gold? Twelve terabyte copper. Hard drive. Yeah, yeah. It's right. just a lump of copper yeah. spinning around. Yeah. No. So uh, gold is just once the digital is. <laughs> Color for their enterprise hard drives. Is this um, a new color? Or is this has this always been around? No, it used to be R E. Remember, re not F E though. Uh, no. Iron? no. What's uh? How about P B A U lead? <laughs> See, that would have made sense. A U is gold. That's what I just said. A G is silver. <sighs> but the R E drives used to just have like black labels on them, so it was sort of like it would just said enterprise edition or whatever. Mm. And it was sort of like a black, but better now they're color coding everything now they're doing giving them their own color right okay so um what they really are is just kind of beefed up versions of the uh of reds basically okay you know faster spinning right they're gonna be like 7200 rpm version of uh of a red same kind of helio seal stuff going on so they're still using the the tech that they have benefited from from the hgst um merger thingy right um so they're basically helium-filled, eight-platter, uh, you know, twelve-terabyte drives. So that's one and a half terabytes of platter. Five hundred and twenty dollars. What do they think I have? But it's Gold? twelve terabytes. <laughs> Wait, is it? This is the, is this the first twelve-terabyte drive? Uh, uh, there see? have been ter- twelve-terabyte um, Seagate makes shingled one, magnetic recording drives. Uh, I think Seagate makes a non-shingled one. They maybe recently. Yeah, I think more recently. I know on the roadmap they were talking about doing a twelve. So are we are we upgrading our Plex server? No, we just got the drives that we, we haven't got. even built it yet. <laughs> How many do we need? Sixteen? <laughs> yeah, go for if it. You that's can only to send us sixteen. That's only eight thousand dollars worth of hard drives. Yeah, yeah, only. Holy crap! Alan, which affordable external hard drive can I buy that has this in it? <laughs> I don't know of one yet. Which external um, drive at Best Buy sells for one ninety nine with this hard drive? Yeah, yeah. the first freaking twelve terabyte <laughs> drive out there. I'm buying and tearing open and just looking. I'm, I'm sure it'll be. You'll in find there. two sixes duct taped together. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, no. say, you gotta say "shuck it" because I like that phrase. Yeah, shuck it. Turn back. Um, no perf metrics or anything really off this or anything. Else? I mean, we don't. You know, seventy-two hundred RPM drive. It's not like it's going to be just suddenly groundbreaking increases in. Is it more platters or, or more dense platters? Both. Okay, so we should see a performance difference. Yeah, you'll get a little bit of a bump up in sequentials because like, of the density. likely because of the density increase. Um, Is it a higher fidelity on the reads because it's gold? No, listen, Sebastian. You can't Do audio I need in the mastering process. You can't AKA audio file this. Tape to the drive. <laughs> Is there less uh, jitter? What if I <sighs> got a gold-plated fiber optic cable from my gold plated fiber optic actually, cable? That's actually a, that's really? sort of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, okay. and, I, and I plugged it, it into the spinif. Yeah. 
Okay, so not fiber optic, but uh, let's just go coax. Let's just go coax. Spitif is coax. Can I ask a very Cost-link important question? Yeah, sure, Josh, Maybe. please. Save us. You, Same thing. Can you hammer this down to one atom thick? You did not save us. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, not, I guess... Okay, so Josh actually had a thing there, but that's not the technology in this drive. It's not using heat-assisted magnetic recording. That's not what he was talking about. I know. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? No, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this. At 12 terabytes, Alan, is that like a tape drive? I mean, how do they fit all them bits in there? <sighs> it's, called hel- it's called helical scan. Uh, all right, so Western Digital has a, tw- has a $500 12 terabyte hard drive. When's our red come out? Uh, the, well, the 10 terabyte reds aren't out yet, oh. so you got a little bit of a wait. Probably because consumer demand is not necessarily up I there demand for, a 12 terabyte hard drive for $299. Uh, well, you know. 10 cents a gig. Wait, no, the, no, no, no. That'll take happen, it back. That'll take happen it back. when the 10 cents a gig thing That's happens. That's $1,200 a drive. <laughs> <laughs> take it back. Uh, all right. Jeremy posted this one up to Epic. Headed for the top of the charts. This is um, this is a, a friend of mine, guy I know, Patrick Kennedy, who runs a website called Serve the Home. Published, uh, and he does really, really great work on these server parts that we don't get in, and we don't really have the knowledge to test yet, and we're kind of just still learning how some of this stuff works. He's been doing it forever. Uh, his his setup at his office is amazing. Um, we're we're getting him on for we wanted to do an interview and talk about his uh, his epic testing versus Xeon testing. I think it'll be really interesting, Josh. We need to schedule time for this. But um, uh, he did some testing of Epic, and uh, Jeremy has his quote here: "Like while AMD is very competitive at the high end, its mainstream offerings are competing with defeatured Xeon Silver CPUs and absolutely obliterate what Intel is offering." You can see in this shot here. This gives you. By the way, this is the, the battle of the ginormous processors because <laughs> these are Epics, which are the same size as Threadripper parts. Yeah. And these are the Xeon scalable yep. cores. Which are business card size. Holy moly. They're a little narrower. Jeezel Pete's. Yeah. Also, come on, Patrick. Yeah, clean that one off. Um, Do you remember what how big the Pentium Pros were? Yeah, I've got one in the back. They were just there. as big. Yeah, they were. That's true. Yeah. 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 And people melted them down for the gold. That's, That's why true. they're so – so <laughs> the one I got, uh, I took from a computer recycling center because mm-hmm. they had them all laid out. Those are worth a, a pretty good chunk of money at yeah. the recycling center. And I bought it off a guy for like 20 bucks or something like that just because like I want to have one of each of these things. But anyway. Um, Patrick, so that was your cover story. What? I wasn't melting it down for gold. I know. If yeah. I was doing that, I would sell it to him. I just want one of each of these things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, he also is one who gave me the the, the discs, the uh, platters out of the hard drives. Mm-hmm. Like from what was the old size? Like the like the hard drives were this big around? The, like the Winchester drives or yeah. whatever they were called? So Patrick tested the Epic 7351P. It's a 750 drive. Tested against Intel's Xeon Silver 4108, which is about 440. In various server applications, uh, such as Gromax, OpenSSL, and even a chess benchmark, single socket Epics, um, even though they are offered in dual, I guess. So was he just Intel telling- Xeon in both single and dual socket configurations. The only time the Xeon's performance came close to a single socket 7351P were when they were configured in dual socket systems. Even then, Andy's Epic chip came out on top, often by a significant margin. So what, there's a wait. What's the Xeon that's 440 bucks? It's a defeatured Xeon Silver. So, uh, oh, man, they go Xeon Platinum, right, right. We gold, went through those silver, lines. bronze. It just seems 
Like I'm surprised there's a Xeon. Can with a Google number of what cores. a Xeon Silver 4108 is? My guess is it's like 10 cores or maybe eight cores okay. or something like so that. So he was like going for price parity. Yeah, as it is a 1.8 gigahertz eight core processor. Okay, so oh. super low clock. Okay, low core count for Xeon. Yeah, um, Turbo is three. So 1.8 to 3? Yeah. Okay. Well, what's yeah, what's the right. Epic running at? Isn't that a 4 gigahertz Yeah, I don't know. Chip? Google what the Epic 7351P is as well. Ah. Yeah. So some of the interesting stuff about this. Got it yet? Uh, yeah, it's a 16-core, 32-thread, 2.4 to 2.9. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem fair. So, <laughs> But it's, hey, it's the price parity. It's the price That's point is where, is where you're looking That's at, true. right? And so it's one, verse, one socket versus two socket. <clears throat> raw performance is not the only advantage AMD offers. The feature te- uh, test also far outstrips somewhat watered down Xeon Silver family. The single socket Epic has 128 PCIe lanes, mm-hmm. while dual socket Xeon Silver only offers 96. And the Epic can handle up to two terabytes of DDR4 memory on its eight channel memory controller, while uh, the Intel it can only do up to 1.5 terabytes uh, in a dual socket configuration. So. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting stuff, and it, um, I've been since he published his first review of Epic and and uh, comparing it to Xeon Scalable on the high end. This is this was kind of looking at the the mid range to low cost server market. Um, he's done really really good stuff. I want to have him on here to talk about what all that means um, because I don't none, no none of us have like a lot of server testing experience. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it forever, and he's one of the best people, if not the best guy out there doing it. Um, and in fact, I'm a little bit jealous because every time I go to one of these server events with him and I'm like, you know, I'm learning about Xeon scalable, he's like, here, come here, Ryan. And we come over to the corner and we talk, he's like, yeah, I've been testing this for two or three weeks and here's how it actually performs also. So he's getting it before I'm being briefed on it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, all right. W- what do you mean? We, we have, we have a rack now. We're totally we equipped have, for testing server rack. equipment. With a, with a Plex server in it, and we're ready to accept other servers we, We've now. got switches. we got 10 gigabit no, networks. I'm sorry that that is a dish drying rack, oh, and the switches okay. are very <laughs> short the lights The light switch next to the... can around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. whatever. If I can still write it in you an email not and not be lying, it's okay for Intel and AMD to send me these servers based on this technology. We have lots of racks. Right? Yes. Got lots of lack, the racks. IKEA lack table. Oh, IKEA lack is our rack mount solution. <laughs> True. Yeah. Single, pro- <laughs> single hail, problem with any rack. of this. How many lacks does Sebastian have within current view? He's in his basement. No, he's not. Oh, he's not. No, oh, I'm, I'm upstairs. I oh. actually uh, none. This oh. is, I think, uh, X. No, this is Calix or mm. Expedit. Mm. I don't remember. There are no little tiny coffee tables near you. Uh, I have an Expedit. Uh, cube next to me. Mm-hmm. See, I haven't been to IKEA in a long time. I don't know the bed. new names. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe that's my weekend project. Go IKEA no, and relearn all the no, new names. No, no. Well, you can use that IKEA Every AR kit a- app that they launched today. <laughs> oh yeah, it works. Every time well. I go to uh, IKEA and I take my daughter, it's like a four-hour trip. Yeah, because she wants to sit in every chair. Well, that's how I am on every couch <laughs> in every preset of room. How is it different from anyone else? Yeah, no, that's just IKEA. That's fair. I've I've never been to IKEA. Usually, I just stack boxes on top of each other, <laughs> as you can tell. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I think Josh's uh, head would explode. Are those motorcycle helmets behind you? Yeah. Yes. Where have you been for the last? I used to like, ride motorcycles, and then they got stolen from me in Laramie, Wyoming. Those helmets have been backyard. there for like five you years. You should find the other guy in Laramie and ask for your motorcycles back. 
All right. I uh, thought those were like immersive <clears throat> VR helmets. Right. That's what I was thinking so too. Although I do believe now that we're in like this higher resolution thing, uh, go back to Josh's shot real fast. Oh God, do you? I think they're dusty. They are. I told you they've been they there for five dusty. years. Everything. My my whole life is dusty. I think that front helmet used to be. <laughs> I think that front helmet used to be black. No, it's green oh. and blue with oh. a uh, gold uh, visor. So. The gold visor still stands out then, so it's good. Yeah, yeah. You should sure just does. wear it during the show. Yeah. Just paint it into be a Master Chief. We'll have our own stig. <laughs> yeah. Who could it be? Could You'll it be? never know. The Wait. background stays the same. I'm <laughs> <laughs> talking like this. No, no, no. Stig doesn't talk. You just got to stare at the camera. Yeah. yeah. When I'll ask you yes or no questions, yeah, you can yeah, just yeah. nod or shake. Uh, before you go on to the next story, we're looking at Intel's manufacturing day. We get to talk to Josh again. Uh, we have three Patreon editions. Will you review modems? Just edited their pledge from $5 to $10 a month. No, we will not no. review modems. Only but, if it's a win modem. But still, it, you keep going up, will you review modems, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, Randy Fox just pledged $5. Thank you very much, Randy. Randy Fox, he gets around. And... Um, Oh my God, uh, Smitty Werben Jaeger Mangensen, Werben Jaeger. That's, that, that, that's a SpongeBob reference. It's a what? That's, that's a SpongeBob reference. SpongeBob. Yes. That's a now SpongeBob we know how old reference. he is versus the rest of us. <laughs> SpongeBob. Uh, Smitty pledged a dollar. Thank you very much for that. Uh, and. Uh, Thank I mean, you, we've reviewed Killer Nicks, and technically those modulate and demodulate, so I think we've checked the box. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're modems. Nicks are modems. I'm cheaping out, but, you know. Okay. All right, fair yeah. enough. I'm Let's talk to out. Josh about the Intel Tech Day, um, where they had some interesting stuff. There's actually two interesting process technology announcements today. First one from Intel. What did they have to say uh, about, you know, I don't know, 10 nanometer, 14 nanometer, 10, 7 five zero nanometer whatever things. else they got yeah okay we, we've got multiple things that that they covered here right. uh, the first is i believe it's um correct me you're is wrong it canyon lake <laughs> for that what is going to be on 14 nanometer plus the uh, or is it canon so coffee lake is the one that's coming out coffee later this lake. year yeah, yeah, yeah and canon yeah, lake is the one that will be 10 i think Canyon Lake, yeah. So Canyon Lake is not a product that I know of, but I was coffee Canon. Oh, so anyway, fourteen nanometer plus is is one of their big things that uh, they're moving to. Um, everybody hopes that cadence, that process cadence, is on a two year schedule, or what is it? Moore's law is is uh, every twenty four months transistor density increase uh, doubles. Well, we've kind of been beating that one around, and Intel keeps saying that Moore's Law is alive and well, but in fact, it, it, it's really not. But mm. we can pretend it is. <laughs> I mean, but anyway. Hey, everybody's got to do something. Yeah, you got to. And so Coffee Lake's coming out here soon. That's their 14 nanometer plus product. Then they've got a more mobile-centric that will be showing up 14 nanometer plus plus. Now, they've been talking quite a bit about 10 nanometer. Then, you know, they're making some, some pretty good points here. Um, their density is going to be greater than anybody else's if they get it out 
anytime soon. Um, because we've talked about this before, a lot of these, you know, nanometer uh, uh, product nodes have no relation to any actual physical geometries on the chip. And so it's like TSMC had their 16 nanometer FinFET. Well, in reality, it was more of a 20 nanometer front end with FinFETs and you didn't get the density um, improvements that that we were hoping from from, uh, Four. from like you know twenty eight nanometer to sixteen nanometer. Oh sure, it wasn't quite there. Uh, Samsung's fourteen nanometer was bigger in geometries than Intel's fourteen nanometer, even though Intel was out first with their product. And we're kind of looking at the same thing: ten nanometer from TSMC, uh, Samsung. They're going to be bigger in terms of geometry. Their density is not going to be as good. And uh, supposedly the performance is not going to be as well uh, good as, as what Intel is, is offering. However, we have seen wafer shots and heard about products, but there's a lot of doubt right now about the health of Intel's 10 nanometer process. Now, eventually, they're going to get things fixed out. Because they've got money, they've got engineers, and they're going to work through the issues. But we're not going to see 10 nanometer this year. Uh, mm-hmm. What they did show off is that they do have test wafers of 10 nanometer Cannon Lake stuff. And probably even more interesting Do you think that if you scroll down. Do you think oh, that uh, wafer is going to work when he's done with it? The chip's in the middle. <laughs> with his might. bare hands, he's going to go and rub some peanut butter on top of it and serve <laughs> canopies. <laughs> from it so no it's it's not usually when you see wafers like that that actually have um you can actually see the patterns on it they've already been stained and so they're they're typically not Mm. useful Mm. so anyway they showed those off now the most interesting thing is that uh they actually fabricated arm a 75 cores in a cpu that was synthesized by intel and they showed it off, and they claim that the performance is in excess of three gigahertz for these CPUs. World now, exclusive Intel Design's best ARM processor ever. X eighty six is dead. <laughs> Long live ARM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know what they they uh, Intel did in fact abandon the mobile market, and so why not? Yeah, you got to keep these fabs used. Correct. You got to get. If money not, in the fabs, keep them going 24 hours a day so you can develop better processes and keep ahead of the competition so that your bread and butter CPUs, your desktop, and especially your server stuff can still be a generation or you know half a generation ahead of the competition right. when it comes to process technology. It, it, it's essentially, okay, I give up. I can't make parts as good as you can make them. How about I make them for you? Um, and you give me the money with which to crush my other enemies. That's how oh, I do yeah. it. So and it's like HEC and Google. It's a little bit like <laughs> HEC and Google right now. Yeah. Sure. But, you know, Intel has a hard t- hard enough time with 14 nanometer to keep their fabs running 24-7. Um, they have a lot they've of They've got them. to shut them down and shut down the lines every once in a while because they're just... They can't keep flooding the market with chips. And it costs money to do that. 
But if they can, and they've been trying to balance this out with uh, a lot of FPGAs, uh, Xilinx, mm-hmm. Zlinks, whatever, and uh, a couple other partners that they've they've done that. But once you and again go down to ten nanometer, um, how big have their CPUs really become? Sure, with the Xeon stuff, they're big, but the majority of i3, i5, i7s that will be coming out, they're still going to be extremely small. And the market, even though it's still healthy, it's it's not exactly growing at the rate it used to. I mean, in fact, it's just kind of staying pretty yeah. steady. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so as you lower the manufacturing process, the more dyes you get out per wafer, and say you've got four fabs that are using this, and you go down a node, and your market share stays the same, and the consumers are only buying the same. The next thing you know, you've got a, you know, one of the four fabs being extremely underutilized, and that's billions and billions of dollars that's just kind of going to waste. So it makes sense for them to just kind of abandon the design of the mobile market because ARM really is a better architecture for the sub- one watt parts that are in cell phones. Intel just couldn't get x86 down there effectively enough. And so it it makes sense for them to say, hey, you know what? Producing dies for you at a cost that I can still break even with this fab is still better than me closing that fab down and losing billions. And this is in a market that I'm no longer participating in so it's kind of a win for you, and it's a win for me because all these billions I invested in this fab will not go to waste. Agreed. It took Intel a while to figure <laughs> this one out. A long while. I'm taking my ball and going home. Okay, you can borrow it for $5 an hour. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it went from and then to. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for that. I do appreciate that. Uh, we'll talk with Josh in a little bit more when we talk about Global Foundries here at the end of the story. Uh, we do have two more uh, Patreon notifications to talk about. Uh, first one comes in an edited pledge from $10 to $11 from HSA Foundation AMD Checkmate. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't quite follow. I know what those words mean individually. <laughs> I don't. I, it's been a long time since we heard from the AH, HSA Foundation, really. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, if 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 that Patreon contributor contributor would like to make another suggestion, they just need to increase that Patreon amount. And then we have uh, uh, a change from three dollars to four dollars from Darth Malventano, Dark Lord of the Bits. <laughs> that needs to be a T-shirt. <laughs> needs to be on a T-shirt. Is the full right. name of Ant- this Anthony? Thing. Anthony, get on that. Darth Maltano, Darth Lord of the Bits. What's what's our Patreon Patreon uh, contributor count now? Uh, our we were, individual count. Yeah, like we were numerics? like four fourteen at the beginning of the podcast. It could just we? be doing. Uh, the, we've had a lot of inc- increases. We're four fourteen now. We're four twenty. Be doing the force <laughs> thing and the, and the bits. Will just oh no! That, mean, that means we lose. <laughs> Uh, hashtag 420. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> be associated with those I'm, drug I'm 35 people. years old. I don't know what any of this means anymore. Uh, let's talk instead about uh, some new nooks that are coming out. Uh, as, yes, let's let's do that. As Jeremy talks about it, the knuckle up, baby. We're off to Hades Canyon. 
What the I get f- it. does that mean? <laughs> well, it's a pun because they're nooks and then like knuckle up. You know, um, I get no- it. Knuckle, I get it. Knuckle so, up. So Sebastian, so, well, tell me about this. <clears throat> Q2 2018, the uh, as Soft is reporting, that's the source for this, are some new nooks that are actually really interesting. If, if you look into this story, they are very high wattage CPUs. Yeah, We're talking like 66 watts? watt and 100 watt. 100 watt nook. Some, <laughs> yeah, some unknown i7. That's the also, i7 is listed as XXXXK, so I it's mean, probably going to be 8th or ninth generation. That's a hairdryer. And... Six, it supports up to six displays, two X Thunderbolt 3s, but it has dedicated graphics. The dedicated graphics chip is not listed, but these are going to be like a VR-ready box with a mm. dedicated GPU. In a nook? One is, yeah. So there's going to be like a a Hades Lake VR and then a non-VR SKU. I will say I like the name. Yeah. CPU. Fan of the name. It's they better do, than Bean Canyon, mention, which is a little lower. It does say in these slides that it's Next generation core, but they call it KBLH, Cabby Lake H. It's for high power. Well, no, Cabby Lake H is a thing. Like it's it's oh, it's like the it's no, what's, the CPU it's like and the, the notebook 7700 review. HQ. Yeah. yeah, like it's a high. It's the full quad core hyper threaded uh, parts in the laptop. Sure that crap, not a hundred watts. What I mean, DX. The discrete graphics is what's the interesting part there. I mean, that's I how mean, you get that's how you yeah. get to 100 watts. I mean, if you think about all of the like the XPS 15, which is a 7700 HQ and has a GTX 1050 in it, yeah, there's no reason you can't do a Nook doing that. I, I mean, I guess there's not. no reason you can't make a Nook that does that. I mean, I, we've I, definitely I seen many PCs with discrete GPUs from companies like Zotac sure. and others in the past. So. I'm just curious to see what this is going to look like. Obviously, the Skull Trail, is that what it was? Skull Canyon. Skull Canyon. Yeah. Nook was, that was cool an looking. unusual form factor for a Nook. Yes, it was It was uh, wider, flatter. I imagine yeah. it would be that form factor. It, yeah. I, it would be, I mean, yeah, if not bigger. Why? I think bigger with the 100-watt TDP. To cons- Especially if you don't want to have with. some wee fan involved in the situation, right? Yeah. Like, because you, you're not doing that passively in any any capacity, right? Or, no. Uh, they also have like <laughs> Bean Canyon, which I think is. I saw that Bean yeah. Canyon <laughs> coming in Baby Canyon. 2018. <laughs> That's going to be like your standard 28 watt part. This is going to be a more conventional, like the smaller Nook. Still going to have triple displays port, Thunderbolt three, um, the latest connectivity, like you know, two by two. You know, AC yeah. wireless. But you'll be able to get the four-core stuff in there. Yeah, four-core eight-thread at the top. He, so I'll uh, so, we'll talk to my buddy Alan over there and ask about who comes up with the names Baby Canyon, Bean Canyon. So I I'm, understand for them, they talk about it every day, so it makes <laughs> sense. It just rolls yeah. off the tongue. For me, I'm trying to keep track of all this stuff and 10 other companies' roadmaps, and I have to deal with Bean Canyon, Baby Canyon, uh, Rock Canyon... What did I get down Carrot there? Canyon. June, June Canyon. Arches Garbanzo Canyon. Bean Canyon. Pinnacle Canyon. What the heck? There's a lot of canyons involved here. Do we need to start printing out cheat sheets? I, nah. If somebody would, if Alan would send me a cheat sheet that I could print out and tape to my monitor, yeah, I would like absolutely a wall, do like that. Like a poster. Yeah. That's probably what it is. That's true. What's sad is that it's actually become easier just to look at that convoluted name of the Nook to figure out what it is. Like, oh, and you see... A I seven B E H. Okay, of course, of course. 
That's Bean Canyon, 8th Gen i7. All right, so, good. I, I, the the top, the 100-watt guy there has two Thunderbolts. What else? Okay, yeah. It, it does mention... It doesn't mention any two and a half SATA drives. Probably can't fit them. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, clearly they're not tied to the the, the standard Nook chassis because the Skull Canyon was a little bit was was not a little bit. It was significantly different than that. Yeah, right. Um, it just had the two uh, M yeah M dot two slots. There was no two and a half inch. It was a, a slimline design. Two dual gigabit networking, eight hundred two eleven AC, two by two, and Bluetooth four point two on those top machines. Yeah, that's just a computer at that point. Yeah, two Thunderbolt <laughs> three ports, six display and, output. Yes, you're right. This is a computer. Wait, no, I thought two, it, uh, what? Two a, HDMI, a, two uh-huh. mini display port, plus two Thunderbolt USB C. Oh, it says Thunderbolt three or USB C. I don't. I mean, I assume that's the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot going on there, for sure. Uh, I want to know what that DGFX is. Yeah, I mean. Vega 64. No, I mean, it's going to be like GTX 1050, right? Like, yeah. it's going to be a GTX 1050. No, it's going to be Intel's own in house GPU. <laughs> no. Which I've forgotten the name of. Uh, Knights something? Knights, Knights um, derivative? Well, they have plenty of in house GPUs. What was There's that? crappy and built into graphics. The GPU concept they had. Larrabee? Larrabee, that's right. This is the return of Larrabee. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, but the don't tie my name to from it. From Larrabee. <laughs> so I'll have a discrete GPU. It would just be another one of their CPUs with the CPU disabled, with the only using the GPU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's No, Alan, is a blank die yeah. on the board. Yeah, bl- okay. blank die. Oh, we didn't even talk about die. that. We're not going to get fooled by that again. We didn't talk about that. We'll talk about that in the post show and whatever the hell that is. Uh, NVIDIA Ansel and Shadowplay support so nvidia has been doing a lot of these um iterative upgrades to things so ansel is their how do you describe this it's like screenshot utility it's like a screenshot utility but it's way more like a 3d screenshot right like you basically get to pause the game in real time and then Mm -hmm. move around the camera photo viewer mode it's what photo mode it is it's it's really cool when you see it actually work um but it's the ability to like it pauses the game, even if you're like in a single-player environment that would not normally support that. Mm-hmm. And you can move the camera around and apply effects and take these high-resolution the, screenshots. And the screenshot is a higher resolution and... Um, well, it could be native to what you're looking at. Or you right. could do like super resolution where it's like yep. it goes to 4K per screenshot and then it ties them all. It, you know, and even, in, stitches them all even in higher settings than what you would normally play the game in, too. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, in like, addition to the resolution like thing. Like 8K, like the, 12K, whatever. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the... Incredibly you know cool what? Stuff. You know what strikes me as most funny about Ansel, and this is going a little bit back in time. Oh. Remember during the GeForce FX 3D Mark thing when 3D Mark could actually stop, and then you could rotate the camera around. I do, and you could that. see yeah, what was like Nvidia was not 11. doing. What's that? It's like 3D Mark 06. It was yeah, it was like 06 or something. But yeah, that's where they found out that they were doing. Some interesting things with rendering because you could you, like you go behind an object and it wasn't there. Correct. Oh, like and they, 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 they turned exist. around and, and there was yeah. like a muddle of, of pixels in this world space that uh, were not uh, uh, discarded as they were supposed to have been, and all Agreed. kinds of other fun things. So yeah. it's, it's kind of funny to think that Ansel 
does that same thing. But. And so Ansel does uh, require like game developer intervention, right? Like yeah. they have to add support into it. NVIDIA provides the API. Um, they've added Ansel support to um, Witcher 3, Hellblade, um, Pro Evolution Soccer. What else we got? They're up to 25 titles. Well, now, you can so capture HDR now with Ansel. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. They're giving away 50,000 of those codes. Okay. Well, that's it. That's the old game, right? Why the hell did I buy one of those? Yeah, mm-hmm. for five bucks. The other thing they added was um, so Shadow Play highlights. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it's the it's um, Shadow Play highlights. So Shadow Play is this constant recording of stuff in the background while you're gaming, mm-hmm. right? So if you see, if something cool happens and you have uh, like a pre-record of thirty seconds, it's always keeping the most recent thirty seconds recorded yeah and if you hit a button you say record the last 30 seconds that was a cool moment that happened you can do that if you support something called shadow play highlights which i think what was that um the first game that it did it or the one of the most recent games that did Player it unknowns, Battlegrounds. Cliffy B. no but that one's the one we're talking about but cliffy b's game or whatever i don't know what, what? it's called lawbreakers is the one we're talking about no no i thought we were talking about battle unknown player unknowns battlegrounds both of those are mentioned in this article oh okay but so the ability then is that the game the game has the API integrated into it. It knows when something cool has happened mm-hmm. because it's the game. Yeah. Right? And it automatically saves that for you it, even if you didn't previously have shadow play enabled. So it saves the scene. It saves like the event that occurred. Yeah. A couple seconds. The, the seconds building up yep. to it. The seconds after it. So then you can go back into that it. after You can go camera. back in decide if you want to save it. You know, whatever you want to do. That's cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. They've added it into a, a player known as Battlegrounds, which obviously is like is still the biggest game in PC gaming. What what did it just recently eclipse? Um, uh, it was uh, most concurrent users on Steam, wasn't it? Yeah, it, beating like Dota, Dota too. Yeah, yeah. So it crossed. Wow. Not forever, but for like a moment in time, it had more live players than Dota two. Right. It's crazy. Uh, and, th- and this is a this is like. An incredibly small development team. I love reading the stories about this this development team and how they just created this thing that they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and now they're multi millionaires. Right? How, how many? What are they up to? Was it four million copies sold? Oh, no, I think it's ten. Up to ten million copies sold, and it's twenty dollars. Right? Thirty. Wow. There you go. <laughs> so three hundred million dollars of revenue, and minus whatever Steam's cut is, minus 30%. whatever. You've, Thirty percent. Is it thirty? That's Apple. Is it Steam thirty? I imagine they do. I the think same. Steam's like thirty. Yeah, I think so. Seems high, but whatever. Hey, if I had three hundred million dollars, you could take thirty percent, but then the government comes and takes fifty percent. Yeah. Damn Steam and the government. Uh, so anyway, Nvidia integrated Shadowplay highlights. Worked with the developer to get that into Battle uh, Player Nodes Battlegrounds and Lawbreakers as well. So it's just kind of cool that 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 kind of support is integrated in there. Uh, Ansel support added into some recent games as well. Um, and apparently NVIDIA is giving away 50,000 Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor game codes, which is an older game now, right? Yeah. It's like It's not the new one. I'll make sure we clarify that. It's not the new game. It's Shadow of War is the new one that's coming out. Uh, but Shadow of Mordor. So if you haven't played that yet, it, it, it's a good game. It, it, ran, it won many Game of the Year awards. So if you can get one of the 50,000 free ones from NVIDIA... Do that as well. Uh, in our last story of the week, we come back to Josh to talk about Global Foundries and Process Tech. So they had um, an event called GTC, which, ironically enough, NVIDIA holds an event called GTC. Uh, they had several cool announcements. 
one of which was 12 nanometer FinFET tech that we were talking about in Slack earlier. It's kind of like 14 nanometer plus, right? Yeah, they, they announced a couple of new products. Now, we, we know that they have products like 28 nanometer, 28 FDX, which is a fully depleted 28 nanometer. They have a new one called 22 FDX, which they are kind of excited about. And uh, it not only does with good uh, uh, good work with, with low power ASICs, like if, if you want, you know, Internet of Things things where the leakage is incredibly low on this, it's still a planar design as compared to FinFET, but it has a lot of FinFET type performance enhancements. And with FDSOI, it's a little bit better, especially in, in, in leakage. Um, it also has RF uh, functionality. RF is, is becoming incredibly important now, uh, especially with 5G and uh, what, 6 gigabit per second uh, throughput. Uh, that is all RF technology. Uh, that's that stuff in, in modems that Converts this RF signal uh, to you know bits that your CPU and SOC can can use. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Nope, you're right. So. Okay, uh, but anyway, they they talked about a couple of new things. Uh, the big one is the 12 LP process. This looks like. It is an optimization of their current 14 nanometer, which is a licensed Samsung product. Uh, they've done work on it. I don't know what kind of licensing they continue to do with, with Samsung to be able to develop a product off of theirs, but they are offering it. And it's, I think, 15% denser than current 14 nanometer and 16 nanometer products. Um, which is kind of an iffy thing to say because 16, well, we talked about this before. Mm. Marketing terms, size, whatever. But it's also about 10% increase in performance from their previous 14 nanometer part. So in Zen, if you had something that ran at 4 gigahertz, you would think, oh, well, that that would mean, you know, an extra 10% performance is going to be 4.4. Well, doesn't quite work that way. You're going to get a smaller chip, and you're probably going to be able to see top-end performance hitting 4.2 gigahertz or so in the thermal constraints that they're looking at and with yields and bins uh, being kind of optimal. Now, because this is an enhancement of 14 nanometers, it's about ready to go. Uh, they're doing uh, Q1 2018 risk production, which... From my understanding, risk production is when the guys who order these wafers, they don't have a lot of the kind of safety measures that that just doing a regular process node. So a lot of times they'll do um, agreements that says, hey, you know, I'll pay for per good die from this wafer. So that makes the foundry guys make sure that they get good yields, good bins. As compared to say, you know, we're going to buy this wafer and we're going to throw that through. And even if you have two good dies out of that entire wafer, you're going to pay the same amount per wafer. And so risk stuff, uh, risk production is you, you pay pretty much per wafer. And not only that, but during production, they're going to be also tuning and enhancing the process as it goes. So you could get some interesting variations of yield and bins at the end of each week 
when a new batch of, of waivers kind of comes out. So there's a lot of risk involved, hence the name. But uh, one of the big announcements was that AMD was going to be doing their next refresh of Xen and Vega on this 12 nanometer uh, process. So risk production first half. And so we'd expect to see products from AMD maybe in midsummer. So we're talking June, July, well, probably July, August before we see these refreshes. So that's good news for AMD. And uh, it's another option for manufacturers to uh, take something that's not 14 nanometer, give you a little bit more density, a little bit more performance, something that probably is going to be fairly mature off the bat just because it is developed from a previous processing technology. Um, They're still planning on their 7 nanometer which AMD, I know, uh, is designing Zen 2 around. But we don't have a real good timeline for that. I would say that probably that is more of a 2019 product than anything. I know that uh, Global Foundries wanted to skip 10 nanometer, go directly to 7 nanometer. But again, we're we're dealing with marketing terms rather than reality because other guys have, have announced 7 nanometer stuff and that's going to be EUV based, but Global Foundry's seven nanometer is is definitely not EUV. So it's going to be interesting uh, over the next year and a half to see where process technology goes. Um, again, they're really pushing uh, RF because that's an area where they feel with the FDSO SOI and and just their their expertise at SOI in general because. If you remember, uh, all of AMD's stuff from, gosh, I can't remember, what, 140 nanometer, 150 nanometer, no, it was, was it 90 nanometer and below? Was all SOI, PDSOI? These details, they escaped yeah. me. And so, uh, you know, out of all the manufacturers and foundries in the world, they probably have the best expertise of any kind of SOI production uh, just the, because they, they've been doing it so long. AMD took big risks to do SOI, and it paid off for quite a while hmm. uh, for the company. And so it's it's going to be fun to see. Maybe Global Foundries will finally hit the promise that, that they've been giving for many, many years since it spun off from AMD as their manufacturing arm. They They have, they have struggled to... Seemingly struggled to stay at like the the peak of fabrication technology, right? So it would be nice for that to to shift for them. Um, I guess we'll jump into our hardware software picks of the week. I've got mine ready. It's the new illumination here at the set at PC Perspective. Well, part of it, I guess. Part of it. Part of Philips Hue. Um, so these were just some uh. They're basically just lights that we can color that we can control the color temperature on, mm-hmm. right? Fairly easily through an iPad or whatever, anything you can install the Philips uh, app on. Actually, I think we're using a third-party app to do it. Is it just because it's easier to do? Yeah, the the Hue app doesn't exactly give you as long as I could find direct like input to color for the color temperature. It's more like different moods. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's like in their API, sets. so third-party apps can take advantage it. of it. Got it. Uh, so you know, this I linked here just to the starter kit, which is uh, the Hue C- 
controller, which you attach to your network, which is what what standard is this? Is this a Zigbee? Yes. Okay. So it's part of the Zigbee group. Uh, but then that is, that's what allows you – it creates kind of the, the Wi-Fi communication that it connects to the other devices with. So we've got – what do we got? Six bulbs and some of these overhead yeah. lights here that yep. we're controlling. Did we adjust the color temperature today at all or did we yeah. leave it at where it was at? We did. We? Yeah, it's the 38. Okay, 3,800. Um, so it's 150 bucks, and you get four light bulbs and a controller. And I wonder, So those are the color light bulbs in the oh, one Oh, these linked. are the RGB ones? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I believe. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it looks like it is. Yes. Yeah, you're right, because I only paid 99 bucks for the four, four bulbs plus controller. This is three bulbs, three RGB bulbs plus mm. controller. So there, there's a bunch of different combinations. But they do make cheaper ones that you can only adjust the temperature of as opposed to. And they, they, make, ones that you, they yeah. make ones that you can even adjust the color temperature of. That are just on or off yeah. And, yeah. and dimming capability. You, you pick those are, cool white or... Yeah, uh, you, choose your te- uh, you choose your color yeah, temperature. You pick cool or soft. They're, they're incredibly expensive, and I, and I had always been interested in them, uh, but never bought them at the house or anything like that. But for here, it made sense for us being able to control color temperature. We were trying to change some of our, yeah. our lighting setup. I, I have none of, the well. co- none of the color temperature ones, but we probably have 20 bulbs in our apartment at home. Almost every bulb is a, uh, is, is a Zigbee bulb. We usually use uh, – Cree makes like a – I do that. Like a less than $20 bulb for just standard white. That's what we now have a lot of. Now you can control it with your Amazon Echo. Yeah. Right. That's what we do. Which is I what we do here. Right. Say, come back to us. Let me try this. Let me try this. Uh, but you're going to sell Alexa, everybody. turn off the studio. And now we're dark. It did, I mean, I guess you it did change a little. a little bit. Alexa, turn on the studio. You can see the glare on the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down here. Did that even really do anything? I was looking at yeah, it. On the it, it, did. it did, yeah. I mean, I well, guess we got it. the extra fill lights. Dude, your face too. looks less red, Alan, with the full studio lights. There you oh, go. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, Ikea also has... Have you been has... drinking alcohol, Alan? Ryan has. I've been smelling it all fl- podcast. You're, you're even the smell out. gets him. <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, that's because it's like, I don't know, when it's dry. My my face gets unhappy. Uh, Do you have laser treatment for that? Laser surgery. He needs them. Uh, let's talk to Josh. Uh, what is your pick here? What do you got? So something a little odd, but uh, something that has saved my life. I bought one of these things uh, kind of from this group about 20 years ago. And it's just a little pancake pump. What? What? Oh. Little oh, portable air compressor. They're inexpensive. I was they for they plug into the too. DC out air, air in your compressor car, pump, right? And boy, that saved me four times this year. I've had really bad, bad mm. luck with punctures. Mm. Mm. Nice to have them. Hey, look, they're plugging into Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Volkswagens okay. don't have any mechanical dropouts or anything. They require and fixing don't have magical bucks. tires. That's a lot of peace of mind. <laughs> It's a lot of peace of mind that'll last quite yeah. a few years. Yeah. The, the chat has it covered. A Swedish tire pump. <laughs> <laughs> they pick, they picked bag, up on. Baby. They picked up on. They picked up on what I was going for there. Uh-huh. All right, that's not too bad. All right, good job. Hey, hey, Josh, good job. Hey, thanks, Sebastian. What do you got? That's mine. Oh, uh, that's right. Wait, wait. Why do we? Oh, we're in a different order. Alan, Sebastian, what do you got? <sighs> okay, so. Reach. Blade Runner finally came out on UHD Blu-ray. 
Why? Why not? What? What year was it recorded? It's on film. Okay. Doesn't matter. Shot on film. 35 millimeter in the effect shot were done at 65. Did they and remaster they restored it? it back in like 2006, 2007. Sorry, I can hear myself. It's very distracting. Uh, they scanned it in at 4K. In fact, they scanned the effect shots in at 8K. Hmm. So they already had the 4K intermediate cut. And when it was released on Blu-ray, obviously it was just a 1080p. And it was actually a low quality Blu-ray. It was only a BD25 that weren't released on. So what you're getting with this is what averages out when I was watching it to be like 60 to 70 megabit per second, very high hmm. quality transfer, all in 4K, true 4K. Looks phenomenal. It's HDR10 encoded, and the HDR effects... This movie is extremely well known for um, the quality of the cinematography and the lighting. There are, But there are shots where a light is coming up over somebody's shoulder or something. And it looks like, like I was watching it in the, in the dark and it looked like there was like a light shining out of my TV. Hmm. HD, HDR was well implemented with this. So anyway, to get this movie, which I was going to make my pick and it's sold out everywhere. It's back ordered again. Don't worry. You can get uh, from but, $75 with third party sellers on Amazon. Yeah. I had pre-ordered mine, and then it went out of stock immediately. It came back into stock, and as of today, it's out everywhere again. I just checked, like, DVD Planet and stuff is all back-ordered. But to watch this, I didn't have a UHD Blu-ray player. Uh, for just over 200 bucks on Amazon, you can buy the Sony UD, UBP-X800, which is actually a really cool, very complete disc player and multi-format player. It plays every kind of disc you can think of, including like audio formats like DVD audio and SACDs and all the all the like movie formats. It has USB to support every other conceivable type of video file and audio file. And even does not only does it do all the 24 bit audio formats, it does a double rate DSD. So literally everything is covered. And then it had a couple of nice convenience features. One, it has dual HDMI out. So if you're like me and your receiver has 4K video pass through but does not support HDR, like it doesn't have the um, latest version of the, what is it, the HEDC 2.2 or H... HGCP 2.2. HGCP 2.2. Yeah, I, I don't have a compliant receiver, but it'll do all the high-res you know, audio formats, including Atmos, so you can send separately an HDMI to your receiver for audio and then one up to your TV for HDR 4K. And mm-hmm. then it also has built-in Bluetooth, so you can stream it quietly to your own Bluetooth headphones. It supports Sony's LDAC for high mm-hmm. rate if you have one of the, the more expensive Sony uh, wireless headsets. Um, so just nice stuff. Cheap for a 4K Blu-ray player. Ghostbusters, ten bucks. Comes with Angry Birds. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and through September thirty, you can pick out two free movies, including the Angry Birds oh, movie. Okay, good. You don't have to pick Angry Birds. Okay, all no. right. That's Choose better. from over fifteen titles. All right. You didn't like I the Angry chose Birds movie? Magnificent Seven and something. I don't remember what. And the good thing is, I didn't pay anything for them. That's good. Yeah. The way I got my 4K Blu-ray player is I found it literally in the Target clearance section. 
this ugly Phillips thing that's like a oh, square. You got the one? It's yeah. it's it's an awful looking piece of hardware. It's square and has a tray, and it was seventy five bucks, and it decodes the Blu rays. That's all I need. There you go. I would never I recommend say, someone buy it though. Blu rays on this player, the upscaler is excellent. You would not know this was like a cheaper four K Blu ray player. Uh, it it handles. I've never seen Blu-rays look as good on my current TV as with this Blu-ray player. That's good. I'm still sticking with my Xbox One S for now. And my non-HDR TV, yeah, I, guess I guess. I'll I have a one X pre-ordered. If I keep that, then I can ditch the Philips one. It's true. It's true. You can do that. All right. Now, Alan, I'll go to you. Uh-huh. What do you got? It's uh, a big surprise. Not, well, it's a big surprise. Um, is it a gold drive? No. So I'm it's used to uh, when I do wear a watch on occasion, which, which I don't, has been usually, almost never, almost never. But I have a uh, like a ceramic watch, like a full ceramic watch. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right. Thumbnail. So awesome. I'm used to. So so I'm used to. Um, <laughs> so I'm used to the band being kind of like you know having some meat to it, like you know and. That sort of thing. So, and I ordered an Apple Watch, and I was like, well, I wonder if you can get a ceramic band for one of those. Yep. And there's the ceramic, like the entire, the the whole body of the Apple Watch they make in, what is it, the Edition or whatever, that's like a ceramic watch. Yeah. Heck no, I'm not spending that much money on, on that. That's ridiculous. But I do think it would look cool with the ceramic band. Anyway, if you get the other, you know, the cheaper watch. Right? Sure. So I found, you know, just looking around, like uh, 20 bucks, Amazon, ceramic watch band for an Apple Watch. Pretty cool. All the lengths of ceramic. Stainless steel and ceramics replacement. So what is it? Is it actually ceramic or is it stainless steel? It's ceramic. Well, it's the clasp of stainless steel. The part uh, that, the part that un, you know, sure. the butterflies, right? Yep, yep, open yep, yep. Up. This part here. Um, yeah, you know. And then uh, and it actually comes with, and I didn't notice this because it's not really clear in the listing, but in that picture, or actually in the fourth picture in the upper right, there's this little shell looking thing. Like that's like a like a Spigen style like plastic like bumper case for the watch. So if you're worried about like messing up the outside of the watch, like you just kind of stick the watch in that before you put. Why don't you just wrap yourself in cellophane? In cellophane before you come out of the house. (sighs) (laughs) Twenty bucks is pretty cheap. That's pretty cheap for a watch band, you know. And then they make like metal ones. I don't know if they're stainless, but they make probably not stainless. But they make metal ones for like twelve bucks. It's like in that same listing, like. Make a rose yeah. gold one for like thirteen dollars. Yeah, we'll like, see how long this lasts. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll try. I mean, it. I mean for twenty bucks, like buy Give three, a shot. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty bucks sure. is almost a whatever thing yeah. for like you know. Compared I mean, to their I mean, prices. it's a what's what's like the Apple, uh, you know, stainless steel link watch band is oh, it like that's like the most expensive. It's one. like six hundred dollars or something yeah. like that. Twenty dollars, yeah. six hundred dollars. I think i'll try the 20 dollar one yeah i mean you could only a, buy let's see five 30 of them for the yeah, same price. yeah i mean so, i mean it's a watch band like yeah you know, storm in the freezer it's, it's either gonna work it's either gonna be a watch band or it's not <laughs> i understand it's either gonna hold the, the watch together it's gonna be a c-ring if you know what i mean i mean you'll kind of know you should know almost immediately whether it works or not as a watch band so you know Hmm. words of wisdom hmm. yeah from uh, alvin multivitamin uh, alvin <laughs> multivitamin <laughs> uh all right 
right, that's going to be it, everybody, for this week's episode of the PC Per Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. PCPer.com slash podcast is the URL you can go to to find all of our uh, video file links, show notes, uh, subscription links, video files patreon link all that type of stuff you can find it there uh so visit us at visit us at pcpro.com slash podcast i'll be back next week with another episode of this show you just watched i'm ryan Trout. i'm josh walrath i'm sebastian peak and i'm alan momentano bye 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 i'll miss you